A few years ago, I had the chance to sit down with Jerry Moffat and talk about the early days of competition climbing. Jerry had a really clear goal. He wanted to lay claim to being the best climber in the world. And to do that, he needed to win some international comps. But that was proving tricky. Jerry was on sighting routes as hard as anyone. But he was going into meltdown in competitions, unfocused and anxious. And his dire performance in Munich in 1989 caused him to lose sleep. But then, two months later, in Leeds, he won the first ever World Cup comp. He credits the turnaround to a single book, With Winning in Mind by Lanny Basham. In the space of just a few weeks, he'd changed his mindset, changed the course of the pressure he was feeling, and he got the result that he so desperately wanted. Yes, I I sort of identified where my problem was there's, there's, there's no point in getting me stronger, no point in getting me fitter. You're just barking up the wrong tree. I've got to find out and read some books on, on the mental game and find out what I should be thinking and how I should be, why I'm not performing well. So that's what I went on a crusade to to really work out what I should be thinking about when I'm doing competitions and how I can perform to the best of my ability. In, in Lanny Basham's book, he gave a lot of things that you could do to kind of brainwash yourself into thinking like that. So you wrote out this thing called a directive affirmation. So I wrote out lists of saying how I would climb. I'm, I'm a competition climber. I love competitions. I always say my best climbing for the final. I can deep pump anywhere and I've got great endurance. Some, something like that. And I'd write them on cards and I'd put them all over the house. And when I opened up the fridge, I'd see it and go... I'm a competition climber, I can deep pump anywhere, I love climbing competitions, I like my best climbing for the for the finals. Uh, Lanny Basham's book was in a, he had a series of tape recordings, so you could listen to the book being read to you. So I sat there with a the Walkman on, and if you'd seen me, you thought I was listening to music, I wasn't, I was listening to Lanny Basham telling these inspirational stories about some guy in the Olympics who was running the 1500 metres and he was the favourite and... He was running along and halfway round the first lap, somebody tripped him over and he fell and he went right to the back of the thing and then he stood up and everybody was chanting, I don't know, his name and everybody's cheering his name and he ran through the thing and he, he won the race. So you think, hearing all those inspirational stories, you think, yeah! So you just, just so frigging revved up like you wouldn't believe. Most of us have goals in climbing. But Jerry's was so concrete. For most of us, they're this ever-shifting thing. And I think that's healthy. For today's episode, I spoke to Catherine Schermacher, who's one of the best female climbers Britain has produced. And we talked about her journey with her own changing goals. And the pressures that brought the change and how that mindset is much more than just being tough. It's about being adaptive. You're listening to Factor 2 from UK Climbing. If you've read Catherine's blog over the past few years, you'll have seen this gradual transition that she's gone through. Jerry's goals were clear, and he's unusual in that once he'd achieved them, he could walk away. But for most of us, climbing isn't something we can let go so easily. But that means that we need to adjust to circumstances, with age, fitness and life. And I think that's quite a familiar journey. And it's one that Catherine has been on, and she's unusually good at expressing it. You said earlier, you know, is 
is all this, you know, was it niche before and now it's more mainstream? I think is this stuff that Jerry was doing there about all the positive affirmations and the fact that he had a, an audio book available. This is all really commonplace now, isn't it? Whereas for him then, he was probably really, ha- you know, no internet, digging around, trying to figure this out. But, yeah, what he did there is really, you know, is the first step is saying, I really struggle with this and I'm going to tackle it head on. And, yeah, well, they may be listening to some, like, amazing classical music or some really funky rock band or whatever, but I'm listening to my audio book. He, he tackled it head on, didn't he, to great success. But it's, it's also fascinating how these skills are not transferable, isn't it? So you'd think that all those ascents that he did, all those trad ascents, um, well, I mean, it's unlimited, isn't it? You know, he went to America and he he on-sited their hardest routes. He'd, you know, done these incredibly bold routes and soloed daily at Stony Middleton. And yet to go to isolation was, like, possibly more stressful or more difficult. So it shows just how complex it actually is. Just because you're good in one area doesn't mean it will easily transfer. But I think if you've done it in one area, you'll find a way to apply it to another area. I think for a lot of people who climb, you know, climbing is so important to us, isn't it? And it's what we do at the weekend and it is this huge escape and this huge release and we can step into other worlds, like literally other worlds. I mean, I I can't even imagine what... I can just imagine what a sea cliff looks like in Wales right now, but it really does seem like another world. So when something is so important, you know, we we want... We use it, don't we? And, And I think it is great to use climbing in that way. It's great if it can support you when you're feeling down and it's great when you can, it can lift you and take you new places. But yeah, it is absolutely finding that balance where it doesn't tip over into negativity and, and, you know, some of these other habits. And so if you then do want to perform with it, you kind of need to take some control of where it's at and, you know, emotional regulation and all those other sort of concepts there's been this whole journey and it's interesting that if you have been (laughs) reading along all the years you can maybe see it but yeah the beginner me just I kind of had an incredible beginner's mindset actually it was all about adventure I really didn't care and it, I just sort of try anything and do anything. And um, to the extent where I, I literally can't believe that as a 6B climber, I thought, oh, I'll just go and check out Action Direct, you know, the hardest climb in the world, knowing obviously I wasn't going to do it. But more, I just wanted to um, hang off it and see, I wonder what the hardest climb in the world is like. And, you know, there really was an element of me that was, I don't really care. I don't I don't mind who walks around the corner. I just want to see. There's just so many moments. I mean, a, a, another moment that I had on a climb was when I did the strand at Gogarth E2. Um, 
I did that and when I when I was climbing it I was so at the end mentally and physically it was um one of my first E2s and it was after that route is like right I've cracked E2 but I got a head jam in part way up and I just I just no way I cannot carry on I can't carry on this is it and you know, I was miles up the route. I couldn't have lowered down. She couldn't have done it. We didn't know anything about rope work, about how to get the gear out if I hadn't been able to do it. And um, anyway, I got through it. And I remember thinking, that is the hardest I will ever climb. Um, but it was, it was everything, everything happened on that route to just, yeah, I, I had a, a huge sense of accomplishment doing that. It's almost like um, associating some happiness with the sense of overcoming something and, and managing something. And then when you do something, I remember when I, I'd built up right wall for years and I'd messed up Cenotaph Corner some years before and been absolutely devastated. So I'd put right wall off for years and years. I think I did left wall on the same day I did right wall and then, you know, which was just marvellous. But yeah, right wall, it just flowed. And then you're like, oh, that just flowed and it happened. It was supposed to feel much harder. So yeah, it's what you what you want or what you feel, you know, out of the challenge out of the challenge at any given day. You know, in any competition. British competitions, maybe, you know, not not the ones at your, you know, local Friday night down the wall competitions, but national ones, international ones, everybody goes into isolation. So you can't see the wall, you can't see the boulder problems or the roots or whatever it is. So it's a really normal part of competition climbing. But yeah, going back into isolation at those international competitions, I really, really vividly remember the very first one that I did, which was actually in Greece. Um, and suddenly you're seeing all these really famous people right there. And it's like, what on earth am I doing here? So, yeah, that those feelings are really, um, what's the word? evident wrong word but they're really strong so yeah I'm not entirely sure whether I felt completely at ease in those isolations but I never felt that that was my place in climbing which I've come to realize you know is an important thing for me is you know what how I really really feel connected to that crag that that surface whatever I'm climbing on but yeah, I wrote about those times where somebody, a friend had joined me in isolation in capacity as either um, masseur or physio, and it just lightened it. But yeah, again, you don't really know what's in anybody's people. You don't, you don't really see loads of blogs or things about how everybody felt in isolation, like what's isolation, but loads of people would have been freaking out in those isolations all the time. Those feelings of inadequacy, it's it's really normal. It's really normal and people are doing all these really high-tech warm-ups and doing these really full-on moves in the warm-ups. It's like, oh my God, look at that. But um 
it, it just, yeah, in terms of mental control, I think competition climbing is a really fascinating aspect because you really do have to learn to perform on that day, in that minute, in that moment. And I watch all those international competitions online and, yeah, the top 10, what separates them physically is hard to know. Um, What really separates them is their mind, absolutely. We talked just earlier about your podcast that you did with Patch. You know, back in those days, well, particularly climbers in North Wales... They, they excelled at this, didn't they? Because they didn't train. There was no way they trained. Um, all the Sheffield climbers were, but, you know, those people in Wales, they weren't. So they were climbing off, obviously, um, hugely skilled in their technique and, and all of that. But I think they were really, really good mentally, but it just wasn't talked about. It was just, they just sort of did it. But they really used it because, you know, of all you just look at the nature of the routes that they were doing. My, my feeling, because I mean, I've been climbing 28 years, I, you know, I feel like I've dabbled in most aspects of the sport and sort of hung out with quite a few really, really good climbers. My feeling is some of those top climbers were really, really naturally very good at it possibly couldn't articulate it but now people perhaps are better able to articulate it I mean I was watching a a documentary on the BBC with Steve Davis the snooker player and he was sort of leaning against the snooker table just chatting in the interview and he just said well uh well you just don't think too far in advance and you don't think about the past you just stay in the moment and do the shot and this, he he hadn't been to some big sports psychology um you know mission he just did it but he practiced and practiced it and practiced it so I kind of see the climbers in the same way they were just doing it whereas obviously if we were to dissect Steve Davis and his snooker playing now, it was blatantly amazing at being in the present. And did he do any mindfulness practice? Did he did he consciously do it or did he just play and play and knew this was important but didn't have a name for it? It's quite interesting looking back at older performers of what they were doing. But now we've got labels and we can say what these things are, what he was doing. I mean, did the word mindfulness exist when Steve Davis was, you know, world champion? I think a place where I have felt enormous joy is at Rapalees in Australia been there four times I can't really say which climb but the simplicity of that life and camping and um, exploration all the climbs are in different gullies and hidden hidden away that's that's was a very very happy place in my climbing um yeah it's like when I really really think 
you know, I have to sort of think true, true happiness. I remember, I think, I do, th- I do think when I think back to balance, it is, you know, that move, that hug move that I did, that I, I really had to come up with that move all on my own. There was nobody else, nobody else was doing that move like that because they were taller, and um, the the feeling of climbing such unusual moves for me that I really, really did enjoy when I finally did actually do it, the feeling of accomplishment and and doing that was huge. Yeah, I mean, I I did probably my best ever grit stone, well, probably my best ever move on that route, um, which is one of the reasons I'm really proud of that ascent, is I couldn't really reach to the arete very easily. And I had to come up with this, Con- well, it it seemed really, really radical. If you if you watch it, it doesn't look very radical. But I had to sort of give the arete this big hug. I had to sort of hold the arete all the way up, uh, sort of all the way up to my bicep. It felt like to somehow get a load of friction all with my arm. To sort of that was almost what was holding me on. Yeah, it seems a really long time ago. That two thousand and seven. I chose to get filmed. Now, I'm really glad that I have that memory of me doing the route. And it is, you know, it's always great to have a photo of you on the route, uh, you know, in one of your favourite routes or, you know, a video. But I've never found it easy being photographed. And so I added on this enormous pressure. And I mean, I know we see footage of climbers all the time don't we on the internet everybody's getting filmed for everything whereas that was never anything comfortable so I added that pressure in by saying to that filmmaker and that uh, photographer yeah come along so so that added something so I don't know what that experience would have been like if I if they had not been there Um, but I remember on that day because I did it on my third go um I, I think by the end of it, it's just like, oh, gosh, you know, I, they're all here. They've come to watch me. Um, you've got to focus now. Just do it, do it, do it for yourself and nobody else. So I probably got there. Um, but what would have ideally, from a sporting performance point of view, you would be able to have much more control over that than I than I did. But, yeah, I did it. And um, it was a really, really great route. And, and yeah, I mean, it, oh, it, it, it's difficult for me to actually, you know, I'm really, that climb was amazing for me. I mean, it's, it is an amazing climb. But when I look back at that footage of me, it sort of sums up how I was at the time. It's like really able, really able to technically move and on gritstone and I was strong and all these things. But literally look at the footage and I'm talking myself up this route. And that was, a you know, I remember, you know, this was where my attempts at sports psychology were is that you can't have a positive and negative thought at the same time and so you know and that you know so I would try to have positive thoughts and the only way that I could have the positive thoughts was to speak them out loud so I'm talking myself up the route and it's 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 actually a wish be nice if they could have had that 
um, that footage going just with music playing. <laughs> Instead, it's like, come on, give it a hundred percent, and all this business. But really, it's just there, you know, as a reminder. Okay, so this is this was something I was really trying to work with, but now where I'm at um, and how I coach is is looking looking at that a bit more clearly without it having to be so so obvious because the amount of energy I would have used to talk myself up would have been well it would have been significant that's for sure so I mean one thing that I have got massively into um is breathing so this this has been my own personal thing that I have done since the beginning since last March so almost a year now um and I mean that the word that people use for it is breath work but looking at the our breath pattern and the way that we breathe and our everyday breath pattern it's going to make me think about how I'm breathing now actually but how our everyday breathing pattern will affect our physiology so basically diaphragmatic breathing and breathing from the diaphragm as opposed to the chest um it it totally affects your physiology to actively reduce stress and anxiety and so looking back i would now massively um have used that on the ground and at the rest to really focus on that because it's amazing that we can have these thoughts but if our breath pattern is a certain way then we we can actually be telling our brain that we're feeling something completely different to what we we actually are um so we want that to all line up so yeah i would have done diaphragmatic breathing basically and you had much, much better control over my breath to regulate my emotion. That's one thing. I mean, it's interesting that that route, I did do that from an amazing place. You know, I really wanted to do that climb. And it, 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 every time I went on the route, it didn't rain. Actually, it was really windy at one point, but it just felt like everything lined up to do that. But yeah, on on the day, I would definitely have used breathing a lot more. Yeah, all that adventure and doing all those different climbs, that was fantastic. But something, something shifted. And I think when I did start to get stronger and better, some stuff crept in yes sort of unhelpful habits but I think actually natural really that when you do get better you have higher expectations and so that was good in a way because it pushed me but at the same time it wasn't always helpful so yes this this feeling and, and things that I used to do where I used to try and maintain every single aspect of my climbing at all times from bouldering sport climbing trad climbing competition climbing and juggling all these balls simultaneously and not wanting to let a single one drop onto the floor and it largely worked but it worked off 
huge amounts of effort and determination and perseverance. But every so often it would rear its head and basically doing the climb or finally managing it seemed um, slightly out of reach. And yeah, it would come up particularly um, with red pointing sport climbs. I found that extremely difficult um, and managing the expectation. And it, it just it just sort of sat there personally. But as this was happening, I was also starting coaching and I wanted to really unpick what I was doing that I, I knew was I knew wasn't ideal, but I simply couldn't find a way. And so, yeah, I think that I, I simply didn't change a lot of habits. I thought I was. And then, yes, there was this evolution. And I, I suppose the starting point of that was when I had my daughter and suddenly I had a lot less time, but I really, really wanted to explore what I could do off limited time. And it was the first time I thought, right, okay, here's a challenge. You've got one day climbing outside a week. You can go to the wall twice a week. I wanted to sport climb. I wanted to do these things, but I suddenly framed it differently and thinking, right, you're going to have to step it up a gear mentally if if you're going to be able to do this and not waste any efforts. And I, and I had a lot more focus and I started to um, see some differences with my climbing. But then what happened is, yeah, I had an enormous life change and I, my marriage broke down. And in doing that, sort of my body broke down as well. So um, I was suddenly faced with this situation where I was kind of, for the first time ever, thinking, you know, faced with a situation is like, well, how do you want to live your life then, Catherine? You know, what what do you want it to be? Living on my own with my daughter, and then particularly looking at how. I wanted to climb and how I at first it was how can climbing support me because I think through years effectively of pushing um and that's how I would sort of simply describe it I think my body just said look come on you you can't keep relentlessly pushing like this but at the same time I'd had this big change in my life and I'd had a lot of ill health because of stress related to that, that initially um, just going climbing at all seemed really, really difficult. And I did have about six months there where it, it just was, it was so hard. Like I, I, um, I stopped being able to lead climb. I could only second and I had no energy. So in many ways, yeah, what you've been observing in all my blogs and writing is this enormous change that I suppose it's forced me to kind of really look at all that stuff when I was younger and all those frustrations of not being able to use all my strength and technique. You know, I had these massive mental blocks. And so I, I once my body recovered I, I've sort of kept trying to go back to my old ways and each time my body said nope you're not doing that 
Um, and it's, it's led me to this huge exploration of a different way to climb. And yeah, I mean, it is a bit of a cliche that out of the depths, <laughs> you come up with your big breakthroughs, but it kind of is what's happened to me. It's fascinating, isn't it, how the blatantly obvious isn't obvious. And I I think climbers face this really tricky dilemma where to be a good climber, you've got to dig deep. You've got to dig deep physically and mentally. And I think that when you become so used to doing that, it's really hard to find another way I mean it's it's brilliant that you also found you know you did climb for well-being and I did too fundamentally but definitely the performance thing completely overtook me for a while and so I've I'm trying to tread that line now is um the well-being how does that fit in with performance and it's led me down all these other paths but yeah, I know. I know. I mean, it, it's amazing how when I when my marriage was breaking down, I think it's okay to talk about this. I um I I did actually throw myself into climbing even more there. I, I buried myself into climbing and I was I got really quite strong again and I was trying to red point this route at Malham. And people were saying, I what what's going on, Catherine? I said, I, I don't know. I just need to do this link. I just need to carry on and I need to do this. And I didn't think it was relevant to tell anyone that I was going to marriage guidance at the time, but it was fascinating. I never managed the route. Um, Steve McClure said to me shortly after that, or a, a while after that, I can't remember the time scales. He said, it was really obvious, Catherine, that you weren't concentrating. And I was like, was it? Was it that obvious? And he said, oh, yeah, everybody could see it, whereas I literally couldn't. And I think this is where the, some of the themes that I explore in my writing is this, this kindness and it, I mean, ha- that we can have to ourselves and giving permission. And it, but somehow that conflicts with this idea of digging deep and pushing yourself, which is a requirement and treading that line, I think, is is difficult, um, and that's something I've struggled with. But yeah, the mind body connection is basically fascinating, and that's one of the one of the things that I've also had to explore because my body has broken each time. There's some random niggle, random thing that keeps happening. A broken finger on the warm up. This is all in the last five years. Sort of a niggly hip, an arthritic elbow that just randomly, which I've got fine, but it randomly locked at 90 degrees for a month and wouldn't move, which is just the body speaking to me time and time again. But finally thinking, okay, this is a body that's talking to me, but I just spent most of my time ignoring it, even though I thought I was so in tune. But 
yeah, that it, it's amazing. It's you know, I, all those quotes about Bruce Lee, you know, thoughts, um, you know, your body and your thoughts that you know what you think you will become. It's true. <laughs> it's absolutely true. I think probably some of the breakthroughs that I've had with the way I'm thinking about mindset is that it, it really comes back to this really big picture. And if you really want to make a difference with your mindset, <clears throat> you've got to develop this huge honesty with yourself. And that's, well, it's, you know, a lifetime's work, isn't it? To really separate yourself from what you do. I think that red pointing is a massive, well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because for trad climbing, if there are routes that you've wanted to do for so long and all that expectation is there, but perhaps you've dreamt about it and you've poured through hard rock or extreme rock and you've dreamt about it and it's, you know, it's, it's in your body, I'm going to do this this thing but of course the expectations are there but with red pointing I think it's laid bare isn't it it's like you know the moves uh you've you've tried them loads you you know all the clips it's there but you know the expectation is because you know that obviously on sighting you you're playing with the unknown and you you know that and you're kind of partly enjoying the unknown but with red pointing it's all known so it's it's a huge exploration into that. And I suppose, yeah, more recently I've enjoyed looking at that as a topic as opposed to, oh, bloody hell, I've spent four days on this thing already. Why, why am I still falling off there? It's like, whoa, you know, come right back now. Like, why did you even pick the climb and how does this fit into your life and what are the reasons you're doing this climb for and seeing those expectations but without attaching so much importance and significance but then coming right back into perfectionistic habits or tendencies or you know the inability to let go and attachments and all these wider things and looking at how that affects the rest of your life I've I've kind of enjoyed unpicking it the call of nature was my first 8a after I had my daughter but it was the route that I I got really really frustrated with and um, I remember in my frustration um, I did a little mini survey at the crag People were giving answers, but I, it was sort of, wasn't really getting anywhere. And then one person who was, I think he was trying an 8C plus, I asked him what he did and he just said, nothing. I don't do anything. I just climb. I was just even more exasperated with, oh my God, my mind is full of 20,000 thoughts and there you are um, just you know chilling out or just happily chugging away on your 8c plus but somebody else said to me and this was really really big he said to me try for every attempt he climbed it seeing what he could learn what could he learn 
on each single attempt. And that was a bit of a breakthrough for me because it was, I had something else to use when I was trying the route. And it, it, it is amazing. Sometimes with climbing, we can have those mindset shifts, but, you know, of seemingly a small thing. And that's what's fascinating. Or it comes back to, you know, zooming right back into the bigger picture. Somebody who's had an enormous influence on my climbing uh, more recently is Lucy Creamer. And, you know, as I said before, I've I've been an observer of, of top climbers, partly because f- I wanted to learn from them, but partly because I just want to know for my work. And I've known Lucy for, well, tw- uh, oh gosh, at least 20 years now but she's she's probably my main climbing partner now and you know just seeing her approach that yes she she obviously performed to an astonishingly high level but she did have a soft touch with it she did give herself and does give herself loads of permission and to just say today's not today or it's been six months and I'm not feeling climbing at the moment. And she absolutely, when she was feeling it and really going with it and felt that uh, motivation, she seized it and used it in a really positive way. Whereas I think I was always right, well, it's Saturday, you know, I'm going climbing today. And I remember a couple of years ago, she said to me, because obviously now when I, I get a day's climbing, it's quite it's quite a big deal because I've you know I've got my daughter. And she said, Well, whenever we go out climbing, Catherine, you, you just seem to want to stay out right to the end. And she she's noticed over the years this, oh yeah, Catherine's getting on that route now. She's watching, she knows it's gonna turn into an epic about three three bolts up. Oh, I'm really tired, and she's probably been watching for the last two hours going yeah, I could see that you were really tired. Can't you tell? But she say, you can stop. You know, it's okay to stop. And, and it's like, oh, right, yeah, okay. And it's all right to say it's about three o'clock. You know, my arms are quite tired now, but I never did that before. I would never say, oh, my arms, I'm going to have to stop. It would be, oh, why aren't my arms working? And then, you know, climbing with Lucy, she she absolutely goes with her emotion and and how she's feeling and her body and listening to it. And um, yeah, that that's been really powerful climbing with her and learning from her. And it's interesting with me is whilst I have dabbled with all this, you know, trad climb, sport climbing, bouldering competitions, what I always get drawn back to is groveling around in a, in a in an HVS crack somewhere or other. Um, <laughs> there's a lot going on with those gritstone HVSs. You've got to be able to climb, and you get reminded about how going to the climbing wall is not going to help you. <laughs> and it's like, wow, I'm still doing this. Like, am I going to be doing this when I'm seventy? I I think I you know looking back, it might be that. When I was trying to climb certain routes, I was fixated on certain things that had to be in place 
for me to climb well, which I put down to the physical things because they were tangible. And I didn't value as equally all these other parts. And they seemed so obvious, like how often you go climbing or to be comfortable with sea cliff climbing, you've just got to go on sea cliffs a lot or to be comfortable with friction, you just outside climbing on the grit or sandstone or whatever the rock is, you're doing this. And you're also with really good friends and supportive people. And and these things don't seem like big things, but now that I've put more value on all these wider supporting aspects of my climbing, and saying it really does matter who I climb with. When you know, when you completely align yourself with your truest, the essence of who you are, and you live it and you apply it to your climbing, it comes out in your performance. You know, I, I shared recently, didn't I, that um, quote I heard Shauna Coxey say. I prioritise happiness because if I'm not happy, I can't win. And I just found that fascinating because, again, it's it's kind of obvious. It's like, well, oh, yeah, yeah, of course, you know, be happy. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can find Catherine at lovetoclimb.co.uk. You'll also find her on Instagram where she shares a lot of the thinking that goes into some of what she's talked about today. You've been listening to Factor 2 from UK Climbing. I'm Will Treasure. Thanks for listening. Align yourself with your truest, the essence of who you are. When I open up the fridge, I'd see it and go, I'm a competition climber, I can deep pump anywhere. I love climbing competitions and I try my best climbing for the, for the finals. 